Welcome to the ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen. It's been my honor to be the Bible teacher of this ministry for over 20 years. We've rejoiced to be able to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. In those moments when you think that the church is rapidly losing ground and the tide of the world is rushing into the church instead of the tide of a spirit-filled church rushing into the world, please remember that Christ tells us in John chapter 14, 1-3, not to be discouraged. He has promised that our triumph will not come in this age or completely in this world. He is preparing a better place. He is preparing it for us and us for it. And there he will receive us, not just into heaven, but best of all, he will receive us unto himself. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 14. Our Lord Jesus speaking to his beleaguered, worried disciples, troubled disciples. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Just yesterday, our family had an opportunity to get together, and we met at the State House. We were able to meet with a handful of Vietnamese who we first met on July 3rd, 1975. They had been individuals who only a few months prior to that had evacuated from Saigon on that last day when Saigon fell to the North Vietnamese. We saw some of the film of the people who were trying to escape Saigon on that day. There's a PBS American Experience film that's out right now called The Finals Days or The Last Days of Vietnam and I encourage you to look at it. They had invited some of these Vietnamese who had settled in Boise, Idaho and have moved to other parts of the United States to come back and be a part of that event. Our family was the family that was among the small group of people from our church that greeted them as they were getting off the plane and served them and invited them into our lives. We had the opportunity, though, on this occasion to see what their lives had been like a few months before. I didn't know this. I was a boy of 12 years old. But to see the trauma they had gone through, the confusion as the place that had been their home for generations was starting to crumble and fall apart. And as it was crumbling and falling apart, they found themselves down along the docks, getting on barges pulled by tugboats and boats that floated and anything that flew and flying out towards international waters to try to escape the red wave of the communists that were coming in. And particularly, these were families whose parents had been involved in leadership in the government or have been in the military, and so they would have been targets for extermination. But what a picture of their uncertainty and the troubled spirit that they were going through at that time. They found from that place them arriving in Boise, Idaho. It wasn't heaven. It was a totally different experience, though, for them. But it was also interesting to hear the people who came back speak of their profound love for the United States. It was an emotional experience for us all yesterday as we listened to that and were a part of that and were able to embrace them and see them again. The disciples in this setting are feeling like their world is crumbling down around them as well. They have put all their hopes in the Lord Jesus. They're thinking that he is going to throw off the Roman power. 
they felt Roman world coming and pressing upon them and they see the society that they're living in being transformed by the age in which they lived in and they thought the Lord Jesus would throw it all off and would begin to reinstitute Jerusalem as the center of God's kingdom upon the earth at that time and they would sit on thrones around him and they'd put all their hopes into that and now the Lord Jesus is basically telling them he was leaving, he was departing them, he was preparing them and saying words about being beaten and abused and crucified and ascending and going to places that they couldn't come and it's as if they felt the press of the world all of a sudden coming and the hopes they may have had that this land that they lived in would be saved was disappearing and they saw it being swallowed up and in the midst of all those fears, the Lord Jesus gives them this wonderful word of promise. Something that calms the troubled heart. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you can believe in me. And when the Lord Jesus said that he was making himself equal with God the Father, he said the faith and the belief and the confidence that you put in the words of the Almighty God is the same faith and confidence you can put in me and my words. And listen, I promise you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come back and I'll return to take you to be with me where I am. And these words were words calculated to bring comfort to him and they should bring comfort to us. I don't know what you surmise in the landscape around you and what you see happening, but regardless of what you see, our hope is not in this age. Our hope is in the age to come and the promise of the Savior here. And ultimately, and this happens every time we experience anything that's the cause for anxiety or trouble in our lives. It doesn't just provoke within us the fear of that one event, whether it's a financial collapse, whether it's a concern for our children and their well-being. It provokes the accumulation of all the accumulated fears of the uncertainty of the age we live in and what's going to happen ahead of us and all the fears that we gather together as we see things disintegrating around us. And here's a word for you. It's the same word still. You believe also in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. It's our comfort. So we began to look at this last week, and we began to get a portrait of this heaven that Christ is preparing for us. There is a sense in which this promise of the Lord Jesus is not simply a promise to take us into heavenly glory, but is a promise ultimately bring heavenly glory here upon the earth. And these merge together. And so we have in this passage not only the hope of being in the presence of the Lord Jesus in heaven, but we also have a millennial hope, that hope of the promise that stands before us of a day when Christ will come and reign upon the earth for a thousand years. And at the end of those thousand years, he said, the Bible says he will create a, a new heaven and a new earth. And heaven itself will come down and rest upon the earth and it says we'll be with him forever. That's quite the hope. These all accumulate together in the promise of the future that's lying ahead of us. And here we looked at some of the things that we learned from the simple little promise that the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples. And the first thing we noticed was that it's a prepared place. This future that he has in store for us is a prepared place. In this case, what we said is the servants are not preparing a place for the master, but better yet, the master is preparing a place for the servants. And he knows just what the servants need. And not only this, we said he's not only preparing a place for the servants, he's not only preparing heaven and eternity for us, but he's preparing us for heaven and for eternity. We are being prepared for this place even as this place is being prepared for us. And when we arrive there and when we come to that point, the angels of the heavenly Father 
and all of the redeemed who have gone before us will say, we've been waiting for you. They've been anticipating us. But let me just share with you a few passages that emphasize this preparation that God is making in our lives for that place. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. There, Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. And there is a picture of the preparing work of the Lord Jesus that is even now taking place within the body of Christ and within our lives. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes this, I am very confident, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being prepared. We're being prepared. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Jude writes, Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, be glory and honor and praises. Do you see this? We're being prepared. We're being preserved. God is not simply preparing heaven for us. He's preparing us for heaven. It's a great promise. It's a great encouragement. Here is the second point we said. It's a permanent place. The word mansions there speaks of a permanent dwelling place. The world is a temporary thing, and even the things that you think will last forever, you think about it, you go through it and exercise what you thought you would never see in your lifetime in terms of decay or ruin. And yet you're seeing signs of it, and it's shocking to you because nothing lasts in this life. But here's what the Bible says about the world we're going to inherit. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, this permanent dwelling place that God is preparing for us, 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, reads this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living or lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. It means it does not perish, it does not decay, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept even now by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in that last time you're being prepared it's being prepared for you and it is a permanent place it won't be removed from you the third thing that I spoke about last week in which I was a little bit inarticulate because I was rushed was that this place has room enough for us all the key word there is the Lord Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Let me just remind you that this is taking place, this conversation is taking place before the Lord Jesus stands alone, beaten and abused and hangs upon a cross. He's going to go to the cross and He's going to die all by Himself. All of His disciples are going to disperse from Him and they're going to flee. And there He's going to suffer forsaken. You might remember he cries out in that moment, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As God the Son becomes sin for us and he brings the weight of our hell upon his shoulders and bears it in our place upon the cross. And yet before he goes to that cross, 
And before he goes alone to suffer for us, he sees through the cross the many that he is making a way for in heaven. See here, before he goes to the cross, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm not simply going to the cross, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I am going to return, that where I am, there you may be also. Look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And here you have an indication of the many who will be brought to this place having been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed and purchased back to the Father from our sins and our rebellion. There it speaks of those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. You see that? Take your Bibles and turn over to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And you'll see this mentioned again, but here an additional thought is added to this group of individuals from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. There it says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ covering us with palm branches in their hands. There's the triumph of the many that the Lord Jesus sees at that time. And so he goes to the cross alone, and the seed falls in the ground alone and dies, but he knows he'll rise, and we with him, as fruits out of the planted ground of his sacrifice, that we may share life with him as he brings many sons to glory. Join us in our next broadcast as we expand on this wonderful thought Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.